The following podcast is brought to you by the Jonas Podcasting Network, found exclusively at wrestlingwithjonas.com. Welcome to the latest edition of the SWN podcast. Uh, I am your host, as always, Billy, and uh, I'll be joined by another Billy shortly. But first, I'm just going to give him a bit of a hype up, even though he's, he's waving in the video version. Uh, he's an award-winning comedian, writer, oh. presenter, actor, commentator, uh, a million other things as well. We'll get to it. It is the one and only Billy fucking Kirkwood. Oh, my goodness. Hello. That is hyping me up way more than I deserve. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it's lovely to see you, Billy. Lovely to see you. I know, I'm so excited for this one, uh, just because we're, we're not, neither of us are the best at replying to messages. So it took a little bit longer oh, than we hoped to get this actually so set up. I'm um, so sorry. But uh, I'm here, video version, you get to see we sport my Billy Club t-shirt and, and no excuse to, very to wear rare. this. Very rare. Very rare now. I don't even have one of those. I don't even have one of those. I know, unfortunately, I bought it when pre-lockdown, so oh, yeah. it's a little bit tighter now than it once was. Preach, uh, brother. Preach, brother. Anyway, right, first question is always the same, though. SWM podcast uh, is always the same one. It's, how did you get into pro wrestling? So what was the moment that, when you watched it, what got you hooked? Oh, my God. Um, well, I've, I, I, I am an old motherfucker now. Um, so um, I, I am old enough to remember just the tail end of British wrestling. Uh, being on TV and the reason I remember that is because my mum would watch it like every Saturday afternoon and this was you're like it could have been repeats man it like could have been repeats but I do remember it and so I always kind of liked wrestling like from single figures but for me it was like when the WWE tapes or WWF tapes started doing the tour and it's like I like wrestling but you're telling me like like these these huge arenas in like in the United States where and everyone they seem to be a point in the very early nineties when everyone got Sky, <laughs> you know, ev- everyone got Sky. Like they must have been giving out Sky dishes for like ten quid or something. So that is when I started getting into wrestling uh, because I, I discovered there was a whole new world of wrestling. And for me, I didn't give a crap. Like it was any type of wrestling. Like there was even places near where I live. Because there was like, I think um, the Americans came over here in the way in Ayrshire where I grew up and uh, they built like a huge like uh, cable company. Like, so everyone got like free cable. <laughs> and like, so there was areas of the town that got WCW or NWA, NWA, WCW like stuff. And then you would get WWE. So that, that was it, man. That was, that, that was my intonation into pro wrestling, uh, getting like the WrestleMania 4 double box set because like you know vhs obviously came huge and and they were expensive back then though man like wrestling videos used to be like 15 quid so trading would go around school and that was when i would get to watch wrestling that was when i and i just fell head over heels so from about like nine or ten all i would do is watch any type of pro wrestling i could get my hand i did not discriminate and then and I, I got, a, and I'm also old enough to remember when SummerSlam '92 came to the the UK, and that, that was mad. I mean, I, I, I'd have murdered till went, like absolutely killed till went. But uh, uh, that was kind of it, man. That was quite a sweet spot around right about pro wrestling, and and WWE, WWF was king. WWF was king. 
the thing about oh, the tapes you mentioned, 15, I, I'm remembering now, my first one was, uh, my first tape was, uh, it was WrestleMania 15 was the first tape nice. I got. Uh, and I got it that on makes holiday. me feel fucking old, mate. That makes me feel fucking old. Thank you. I started much. watching in '99. If that makes it any, <laughs> that makes it any worse. But um, so, it does. it's a lot worse. A lot worse. <laughs> so, so I got it, and then it was my dad that bought me it. My dad was quite—he was tight. He wouldn't buy anything really uh, if if he could get away with it. And now I think about it, fifteen ninety nine for a tape is fucking expensive. I would pay for that now. <laughs> so I mean, yeah. I mean, back then, I mean, that would have equated to like. I don't know, that, that would have been the equivalent of like 25 quid, 30 quid. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you think about it, I, I remember, <laughs> I think it was about 90, I'm going to say like 94 or something, you know, uh, just when I basically got interested in two things, girls and pro wrestling. Um, and I remember like there was an Azad video, right? An Azad video opened. And this, no, maybe it was later than that. It might have been like 1997 or six or something. I can't remember, but um, opened in like Irvin. And uh, they got in all the WCW tapes. Uh, but clearly they didn't know how much these were worth. So to buy, these were about two ninety nine. So yeah. basically my dad went, here, get one of each. Like, you know, we went in and and you could, I still remember the look in the guy's face being like, you know, ringing it up, kind of like going, hmm, he seems very keen to me. And it was like, fucking yes. So my, my, my collection like burst overnight. But like the videos, man, it was the only way like we didn't have Sky. We were. I'm from a working class family. Like we would get Sky on and off, depending on like what deals were going on or or how well you know mum and dad's pay packet was. Uh, um, and even then, I, I remember I got a paper run specifically to pay for Sky, so I could watch WCW on um, RTL, which was a German channel <laughs> with free with German commentary. Um, and uh, so I could watch like WWE Mania and like Sky One and occasionally, depending on how the month was going, I'd check out a pay-per-view in Sky Sports. So fucking it was like, if like people these days, and I don't want to sound like an old man, but like, you have no idea how fucking lucky you are that you can watch all this content. And hey, Vince, this is a free plug for like a tenner a month on the WWE Network. Like you have no, f- I like 10 year old, 12 year old me would have killed would have killed my parents, my parents' friends, my brothers. I don't have a sister. We would have killed them all in order just to watch it, man. Oh, oh man. Oh. That was in, in, in German. I bet you thought Alex Wright was the biggest thing ever. Oh, my God. Like, seeing, <laughs> like, seeing their version of, like, WCW Worldwide, he was, like, <laughs> main event in every episode. Like, Alex Wright, that's Wonder Kid. Uh, every single episode. So I kind of did have a... I thought Alex Wright was a pretty big deal. <laughs> I still kind of do, to be fair, from, like, 96. But he was also on every fucking pay-per-view, man. So it must have been worth something to them, that, that German market, that Bratwurst money. Do you know what I mean? Um, the, the other thing, I remember, again, you mentioned the Sky. We, we, didn't, we were the same. We didn't have Sky, uh, but we had On Digital, or ITV Digital, as it was wow. first known. I am on digital. Yeah. And uh, so we got Channel 5, so we got Worldwide. And uh, yes. with the with the cartoon Batman Kapows and yeah. Blongs and Boings when a chair shot was hit, yeah. and uh, and of course Sky One, so I'd get Metal or uh, or anything uh, like that. So that, that I was, forgot that all was about great. Metal. Some good stuff in that. Isn't YouTube a nightmare now? Because like you can just get lost in wee wormholes and like going. I want to see Essie Rios versus Jerry Lynn from 19... You know, it's like, why am I watching this? Rob Van Dam versus... Uh, what was the one I watched the other day? It was Rob Van Dam versus Jerry Lynn from like a random episode of like Sunday Night Heat 
like just a random maybe it was even metal or shotgun Saturday night but it's a fucking cracker like 20 minutes they tear the house down and you're like this must have been like a dark match after or before Raw and people had no idea what they were seeing I love shit like that I love shit like that you got like heat with uh, like Steve Blackman and just booting folk and uh, yeah. hitting them with sticks uh, for at six o'clock a, on a Sunday. I was a big Steve Blackman mark, man. I was a big Steve Blackman mark. I fucking loved Steve Blackman. I don't, I don't know. I what blows my mind is like originally he was meant to start with WWF in like nineteen ninety one. You know, and you're kind of like, what would that be? Like, <laughs> like the the Godfather or Papa Shango, and it's weird how like. Your timeline gets totally fucked up because I was I was literally watching because today's the anniversary of uh, the Undertaker winning. Oh, fuck you! I sound like such a nerd, but I am. The Undertaker winning his first ever WWF Championship at uh, Survivor Series, right? So it's all over Twitter, and and I, and I, but I'll always watch it going, man. That is that is only four years removed from WrestleMania three. And that seems like a completely different world. That's like the fucking Goonies and like fucking Ronald Reagan and but like like the like the mega eighties. And then there you are, nineteen ninety one, and going, man, that just seems so weird. Like I could never imagine the Undertaker winning the title in like nineteen ninety eight or nineteen ninety seven. That's what I love about pro wrestling, man. I actually wrote my well, this oh, fuck, man. I'm gonna sound like such a nerd. I actually wrote my dissertation on how. Uh, pro wrestling was a critique of American culture. So there you go. I don't like. Uh, oh. I don't like the mask slipping too much. People expect fanny jokes and stuff like that, and I just don't like people knowing that. I do have. A, I do have degrees. Sorry. But I think you're on the right podcast if you want to nerd out about wrestling. Yes. We're, we're, oh, we're absolutely fine. I'm. I'm the. I'm the sort of nerd that has a WWF European title behind me, so I'm. I'm all in for the nerd. I love the looking belt. If you don't mind me saying, I love the looking. Oh, belt. I love it. It's every. It's, it's one that always gets compliments. I've got a cruiserweight one behind me, which is ironic in so many You're ways. Old. Oh, classic. Love it. Love it. And uh, an undisputed belt under here as well, which is. Gordon, I've got my. Uh, I've got my intercontinental classic championship belt. My my wife got me for my thirtieth birthday. Um, down uh, literally within arm's reach. I've got it just down there. Um, I, I know it well because uh, I, I was at one year. I am the tag team champions. One's uh, shows in Inverness. Yes, and be- because I watched. I was watching clips, and I knew the point where you're going to ask someone to wear the belt, and I was like, "Get ready, get ready." Oh, everyone wants to wear the belt. Everyone <laughs> wants to wear the belt. It's like it's such a weird thing, and it's not just men; it's women as well. Like I remember we did a thing like on uh, my radio show, like maybe like. I don't know, six months, a year ago. And I took the belt in. Um, and it was just kind of like, uh, and everyone in the building who liked pro wrestling or not, or were like, even the most Vegas of fans were like, can I get a go with the belt? Can I hold the belt? Can I put the belt over my shoulder? It's like, of course you can, brother. That's not exactly what it's here for. That's exactly what, women, men, the whole thing. Everyone likes the idea about it. I, don't, I actually don't even know why they bother giving out knighthoods. Just give out championship belts. The Shagger title was the one I wanted to bring into ICW. The Shagger title, Shagger title, non non champion, non wrestler title. But um, ah, we, uh, we never got there. We never got there. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, if, even if, if I mentioned to anyone, because well, when I lived alone, I had them on the wall because right. you know I was single and uh, women weren't coming back to my house as frequently as I probably would have liked. But uh, so, so they were just on my wall. But if any mates come over, regardless of whether they liked wrestling, we looked at it and go, "Geez, geez, go, geez, go, yeah, geez, geez." you know just just admit it just watch wrestling let me, let me ask you are you an over the shoulder 
Are you uh, uh, are you an over the shoulder or are you around the waist, man? Um, I'm over the shoulder just because it's easier to to pose with. Um, I, Me I, dependent I sometimes... on situation. I've got I've got a yeah. different answer for that. It's simply because um, um, if I'm cutting a serious promo backstage, I hold the belt like I hold the belt like this. Ric Flair holding the NWA World Heavyweight Title. Right. Big fan of that. Big fan of that. I'm cutting a serious promo, man. I want you to see it like my, it's my trophy. It's my baby. But if I'm coming down to the, if I'm coming down to the ring, championship match, mania around the waist, coming down to Raw, maybe just to kick up shits over the shoulder because then I can take it off and smack someone with it. I've th- I put a lot of thought into this, Billy. I, I like the Jarrett way. It, he would just have it over his shoulder, but he would uh, tuck the bottom strap in. So I, I, I don't know why I always loved that way. Not a fan. Not a fan no. of that, Mister and Mister Jarrett's a friend. And not a fan. Not a fan. I hate that. I hate that clipped up and over the shoulder. It's like, why? What are you doing? And the diesel way. Don't even get me fucking started. Dragging it across the ground. How dare you, Kevin Nash? How dare you? Well, the the Roman way had it back over his shoulder, like it was a like a backpack. Like yeah. uh, I never mm. quite got that, to be honest. Never quite got that. Is a it's like I guess it's kind of cool. It's like every time Rick Steiner would come down to the ring with a, a championship belt, he would wear it backwards. And it's like I don't get it. I don't get why that's meant to be cool. I don't get it. Like at least when Ziggler did it, he was doing a wee big, big uh, grindy pose and Boom. showing it off and everything. Um, this I didn't think we would go into delve this far into sorry, it, sorry. all the belts, well, but I'm 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 in for it, so it's fine. Well, you know, <laughs> you, you know something. It's it's. I, I remember me and Chris Brooker talking about it when we did the tag champion show. It's like the only thing in the world that wrestling fans we are probably we are probably some of the most liberal kind of fandom people you will find, to be honest. But we are pretty <laughs> judgmental. It's like intercontinental champion with those hips. I don't think so. It's the weirdest. Kind of attitude we were allowed. Remember, remember when Dolph Ziggler cut his hair? Oh, I dyed it brown. What the actual <laughs> fuck? That lasted a week, a week, and it was like we were fucking outraged, outraged. But now it's back to the noodles, so we're off. Hang it. It's the weirdest thing in the world. Well, speaking of that, anytime anyone mentions like wrestlers that they, they, they oh could have been bigger, I always bring up Eric Escobar. He was on SmackDown wow. for a month or something like that with Vicky Guerrero. As her I, new boyfriend. I'm always slightly obsessed with the kudos. And I try not to because it made me sad. Like, uh, what was the name of that guy? I knew I was going to forget his name, but there was a guy that we due to go into a program with The Undertaker. And they even filmed... Oh, Hade Vanson. Say that again? Hade Vanson. That's him. That's him. They, they put out promos. He was going to wrestle The Undertaker. Then, doosh, no. It's like, oh my God. And, and one thing I've learned from, and I, I'm not name dropping here, but I will say to anyone, uh, particularly folk in the business, they kind of get tied up with things they hear about in the business. It's like, because I think everyone's kind of trying to work everyone else in their own ways. Like, uh, um, I did actually say to, uh, um, he said, don't believe anything you hear. Don't believe a fucking word you hear. So what happened that somebody suddenly went, No, was Vince backstage at SmackDown looking on the monitor and went, who the fuck's this? Who the fuck is this wrestling my Undertaker? Do you know what I mean? It's like, um, but what happened to him? Eric Escobar, uh, Eric Escobar, there's another one, Escobar. Um, who was another one that I was thinking about just the other day? Remember, uh, um, remember um, Carlito's bodyguard? Jesus. Jesus. He was in uh, w, uh, WSX, Rod Society Wrestling. Yes. Whatever it is. Things are going well when you end up in <laughs> WXS. 
I know. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jackson Andrews, another one who came in as a big bodyguard for Tyson Kidd and was gone after two weeks. Gone? Gone after a week? Gone after a week? What the fuck? Remember that bit where they were trying Tyson Kidd out with loads of different managers and then he ended up not getting a manager at all? Yeah. had <laughs> my Matt Stryker at one point. And... Matt, Matt Stryker, fucking, um, um, what's his name? Michael P.S. Hayes? Oh, did have a Armando Estrada at some point as well. They brought back Armando Estrada. They brought him back. They signed like everyone forgets as well. Like, it was mental stuff. Like they they re-signed Gangrel and he never wrestled. You know what I mean? They they re-signed him for like a two-year deal and he never wrestled on screen. What the actual hell? What the actual hell? But here we go. There we go. Honestly, uh, WWE as well. God, I was showing my age there. Um, it is fascinating. They, they get they do get dragged over hot coals a lot, but when you you just imagine what it is backstage, just literally Vince looking at like you're saying, looking at a screen, going, "Fuck's that?" Yeah, I mean, I, I, like, I can only talk about my experiences in, uh, in in ICW. I mean, I'm not involved in the creative process, thankfully. I mean, but the only times I, I'll like I'll maybe be asked my opinion from like a commentator's point of view or to get feedback if it's if it's warranted, do you know what I mean? Um, but I couldn't really imagine what it must be like getting that creative process and then seeing maybe like the equivalent of a plot hole or like a worm, you know, going like, oh, shit, we're not doing that anymore. You know, just, just that whole aspect of it must just be nightmarish. And I can only like from, you know, radio shows or, or TV shows that I've worked on, the amount of work that goes in, it's like, what it must be like in WWE must be an absolute fucking nightmare. And uh, kudos to them for managing to produce fucking, what, 10 hours of telly a week? 10 hours of telly. You know, it's just, that's wild. That's wild. Yeah, organizing that, and then you've got every every nerd, much like myself, just under the sun, tweeting them, uh, asking them to sign people, to fire people, to to send them to AW, to, to, buy, <laughs> to get someone from AW, to, um, well, yeah, it's just I, I, it, but would you overthink it? Wrestling is a scary business to be in. I'm, I'm happy just to be this side of it. I'll just quite happily do this. I, <laughs> do you know there's been times, and it's kind of weird because, like, I think I would love a creative role within it, but um, uh, I'm, I'm a more expanded creative role anyway. And and um, but then what would that mean? Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I like what exactly do I mean by that? Do I want to be like, like? On the front line, thinking how fucking stressful that would be. How Vince did commentary and then ran a company at the same time. That's mental. Do you know what I mean? That man was running like a huge multi-million pound wrestling company in the height of the Attitude Era and out there doing commentary every Monday night and then being a character on TV. Holy fuck. Like, I, th- I think the only things I'd ever want to do is Help people with promos. I quite like that. I'm happy to be a sounding board, and that's something Mark Dallas has allowed me to do, which is kind of cool. But again, it's like a casual kind of thing, you know. It's like, and even then, people will come and go ideas, and we'll discuss them, and it's like, oh yeah, that's great. Now go and tell Scott and Dallas. Now go and speak to Scott and Dallas or Rudo or or Jester, because those are the guys that you have to convince. Those are the guys that will give you the feedback. Because I don't sign the checks, motherfucker, and because uh, it's nothing worse than oh yeah, that's great. I'll do that tonight. Whoa! <laughs> like, no, you don't. You go and talk to the guys that actually will give you the feedback. And they might change what you've just said, man. So just let that go. And the number of times I've also talked people down that went, I'm going to say this. I'm going to go and say this. And I went, 
don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Nobody wants you to be pretending your your foot's possessed in the middle of a match. Don't do that. Let's let's talk this through. What are you trying to do? So that's kind of cool. I quite enjoy doing that. But that'd probably be about it for me, man. That'd be it. That and that and wrestling commentary. So let's you brought it up. Let's bridge the gap then between you starting to watch wrestling and you actually uh, being part of of the wrestling business. Before that, did you go into any indie shows? Did you go to CICW or did you go to any any uh, WWE shows at Glasgow? What was your kind of background? Oh, yeah, with the I mean, like, uh, um, I mean, it was a. Um, I mean, I've, I would go to loads of shows. To be honest, in terms of it was usually WWE shows. I mean, indie shows. I'm not having a go, but in Scotland and particularly during like, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s, there wasn't really a lot of quality indie stuff coming through here. I mean, don't get me wrong. You could you could go down the hill and then randomly you would see uh, like Masawa wrestling on a show in like fucking Kamarnock, you know, the Palace Theatre in Kamarnock. You'd be like, what? You know, he just got like booked on a tour or, or something like that. But I didn't get to see a lot of that. I got to see a lot of... Um, independent shows but in terms of much later once I'd kind of started getting out in the world and sort of finding myself uh, I did go and see some ICW shows you would again there wasn't really a huge like we were somewhere between like the f- really family orientated uh, easy easy we're still kind of in that kind of realm so there wasn't like a lot of strong independent stuff and ICW was probably one of the first to be honest and that's not a blight on anyone else but they were just doing something different they were doing a, an adult orientated product a sports orientated product as well and um my introduction to ICW was that uh, Neil the Wee Man Bratchpiece had started doing something me and Neil are huge wrestling fans anyway and um we're also really good mates so he was doing an ICW show as the Wee Man now, what everyone needs to know is Neil is a really good mate of mine, and I tease him relentlessly about the fact that he's the wee man with the internet fame and all that type of stuff. But we can we can go we can go do the song. Like if anyone has ever like I will I will give him a hard time. If you don't know who the wee man is, go and Google the wee man. He's done loads of incredible work since um which you should go and check out because it's fantastic. Um but what happened was is I went to see him an ICW show on a Saturday night. And I think I had a, I, by this point I was out gigging. Like, I think I was full time even at that point. Um, so I went to see a, a rare Saturday night off. So I went to see him and I think he got the shit kicked out on by, I want to say Noam Dar and Rob Cage. I think so. I think they might have even called the Ascension. I'm not even making that up. I think they were actually called the Ascension. And he came out and did his song at halftime, wherever it was, and then they beat him down, blah, blah, blah. But I loved it because I stayed and watched the whole show and it was great. And I loved it because it wasn't, it was a, uh, it was an adult, adult oriented. You were just kind of, it just kind of felt like someone was finally doing a wrestling product, which was speaking to me. And that's not taking anything away from the FWA guys and, I don't really know if there was a lot of independent companies really up and running at the time in England. I'm sure there was, but none that were trying to do a sort of, I I, I think, God, I've got to watch myself because I don't want to be disrespectful, but I, I don't think there was companies that were really producing. They were, they were looking at what they were doing in the United States. They were looking at what they were doing in Japan, even on the indie circuit and going like, well, we let's find our voice and start doing that version instead of just doing like fucking tribute shows where you would have a guy turning up dressed as the Scottish rock 
and you know the the Fife Undertaker and all this type of stuff. Like they were letting people sh- showcase their talent, and I always respected that. And uh, so I went and saw that show, and that was my introduction to ICW. Then um, fast forward about a year later, uh, they were looking for a guest ring announcer, and they had a couple of comics in to be ring announcers uh, who. Like, I think one of my mates, Richard Gadd, who's like a BAFTA award-winning actor now, incidentally, um, he's going to be a huge star. Um, he came in and been like The Rock and got the shit clothes lined out by Joe Coffey. And and I was coming in to be a heel ring announcer. I, I, I've been coming to brought, be brought a heel ring announcer. And um, we managed to put my name in because we did very briefly a short-lived wrestling podcast, which I cannot even recall the name. I cannot even recall the name. I don't think there's any episodes even out there. I, I would struggle to even remember, but I was in the car with them when the guy that was originally booked pulled out. So he went, hey, would you fancy doing it? I was like, are you fucking joking? Yes, I would love to be a ring announcer. So uh, I turned up, um, walked to the ring. Dallas was really, really nice to me, introduced me to everyone when I got there. I'd worked in, I don't want to say I'd worked in showbiz, but I'd worked in, I, I kind of, I knew, I was a well-read wrestling fan. So I also knew, don't come in and be a twat. Like, you know, say hello to everyone, show respect. You're in someone else's. Like I would at a gig, Billy. Do you know what I mean? Like I wouldn't turn up a backstage at a venue or anything like that. And I'd like an arsehole, you show respect. You're there to have, you know, you're, you, and, and everyone was so unbelievably nice to me. And my job was, I was meant to go out and uh, take the mic off uh, uh, MC Tommy who was the original ring announcer for ICW, who was not happy about me being there. And I, so subsequently, I, I like, Tommy's a really nice guy, um, really talented fella, didn't go his way in ICW. I just, this is the way things go, do you know what I mean? Um, but he was not happy about me being there, and he was quite rude to me, to be honest. Um, but if Tommy, if you were watching this, you were. And if you felt like I had disrespected you in any way, then... You know, you have nothing but my apologies, but it certainly was not my intent. But I walked out to the ring and I went, right, you get to fuck. And the fans all chanted, get to fuck, get to fuck. And I was like, right, okay. And I think the fact that I had like a rapport with the fans kind of impressed Dallas. It's like, oh, this guy's just not an arsehole that's turning up to like take a paycheck or, you know, just wanting to get in front of an audience, which I think sometimes, you know, I'm a big believer in hard work and commitment to things. And also I was, a re- and, the, the, and what I did was without any real guidance, I did like a couple of minutes of like wrestling jokes, but they were quite in-jokey. Like I'm sure I had something about, oh man, I'm sure, and I feel bad about saying this because it's a very different world and it's a different time, but I'm sure I made like horrible jokes about John Cena sniffing his fingers and all that. So I said, well, no, it wasn't exactly high art, do you know what I mean? But, uh, but there it is. And the guys that were on the TV crew went, oh God, this guy knows what he's talking about. And this was the thing. I was meant to start ripping into the crowd to set myself up as like kind of a heel because it's what they were doing with people. Because later on, the Bucky Boys were going to scare me away, right? That was the whole plan. But just as I'd picked a guy, I went, he's going to get ripped. Like I'd, I'd, I'd specifically picked a person. They played the video, they played the video early. So the heel turn never came. The heel turn never came. And, um, and then I was asked back, I was briefly the gold labels ring announcer, but again, I was playing it for laughs. I don't know, just an asshole, really. Um, and Dallas was, I think, impressed with elements of what I did. And he said he would love for you to bring a ring announcer. 
I, th- I think at that time the my channel thing had up so he went hey listen would you like to be a commentator I would love for you to be a commentator I've never done wrestling commentary in my life but again it was one of my dreams you know it's like I'd fucking love to do that I probably can't be a ring announcer then because I imagine if I'm on commentary and there is a couple of those my channel episodes where I am ring announcing and I am on commentary at the same time only a couple of them but these at least they you know they do exist um and uh, and that was that really we were we were off to the races we did the mind channel thing and then after my channel uh then we started doing stuff on fight tv might be wrong might be wrong i, I think i don't know that, I'm, I'm just trying to re- my, my sorry i'm just trying to re- but then like it became a regular thing and and that was it that was me off to the races in icw and and even how i do commentary is much different i mean i still catch myself on into old bad habits but i do my best to you know uh, um but it's a very different world now. And uh, I still love it all this time later. And that was it. That was my introduction to the ICW. Every now and then, uh, certainly Mark and Scott, what have you, have to tap me in the right direction going like, we're on the network now, buddy. It's like, of course we are. I know that. And because I'm diverse, thankfully, and it sounds like I'm pure bigging myself up, but like I have to do a breakfast radio show for four hours and people will say things like, they'll come and see you do stand up and they'll go, I don't know how you don't swear. I find it really easy. I find it really easy not to swear. This is the big... I'm breaking kayfabe, brother. I'm breaking kayfabe. I, I, I was I was very conscious not to ask that question because I'm assuming it's be one you'd be asked every time uh, if if I ever do like stuff like this. Um, but wait, go rewind way back to this, the start of that. You talked about tribute shows. Uh, yeah. Did you did you ever get to any of the tribute shows, or was yeah. it just yeah? How, what, who was your who was your uh, wrestler? Who's your WWF wrestler that appeared? Mine was Mankind. Oh. Uh, uh... <laughs> Well, I, in saying that, I did see Davy Boy Smith, like legit Davy Boy. Like I did legit see Davy Boy Smith. So it must have been somewhere between WCW and him going back to the WWE. It must be like somewhere in there, somewhere, because everyone forgets. Like he went to like WCW in like '93 or something. Then he did a stand there, and then he came back. So, um, so I did actually legit see. But in terms of Oh, let me let me think now. Let me think. I wonder what happened to a lot of those wrestlers. Like I legit do Love wonder yeah. what happened to. I remember there was a guy called Rock Hard Richie Brooks. I could probably Google. I never thought about that. His name has never gone past my head. But he wasn't like a Stone Cold tribute. He wasn't a Stone Cold tribute. Um, so let me think. They was definitely the Scottish Undertakers. They were a tag team. They were a tag team, and one of them was this really wee fat pot bellied guy who'd basically been covered in what looked like talcum powder. Because every time he got hit, there was a big, big plume of smoke. And his skinny but tall mate, because all I can remember is, look how fuck. Even as like, I don't know, 14 or something, being like, look how fucking skinny that guy is. He's an adult. He's a wrestler. Are you meant to be that skinny? I mean, I mean, skinny, like a jelly, like skinny. Uh, so that, those would be the ones that really struck out to me. But I remember seeing a poster of like, and it was like a Kane tribute. There was like uh, um, X-Pac tribute. There was an Undertaker tribute, a Stone Cold tribute, a Rock tribute, like all on this one show. So they were basically doing the WWF, but with overweight 45-year-old men. Uh, less Undertaker, more Underweighter. Uh, but I'll leave, I'll leave you with jokes. Yeah. Uh, so, that's, that's, yeah. Uh, so yeah, mine was my I liked kind. it. Uh, I liked yeah. it. That's fine. I should have let it breathe a little bit. I was just nervous. Uh, so, yeah, uh, yeah, I was just a, a fat guy with long hair who had a shirt on. That was it. That was, that was Mankind. 
So I'll just batter into the questions then, because uh, you're quite popular on the old social media, uh, whether Am I? whether you know or not. Well, I got quite a lot, and then I, I asked Kelly for for a couple, so she's got a couple questions in there as well. So, um, well, I I, I I always kind of assume that I'm incredibly unpopular. <laughs> so, and that's nice to hear. That's nice to hear. So, well, I'll just go from I'll start with Facebook because you know work my way across. Um, nice and simple one from from David Colvin. He's asked, uh, why do you not say cunt anymore? Oh, uh, it's uh, pretty simply, I think, time, uh, two reasons. Uh, I think time's kind of moved on a wee bit. And if, if anyone was actually paying attention, I haven't said it for quite a few years. So, uh, like, if anyone, like, I kind of actually pulled back in a little bit a couple of years ago. But the main reason is we're on the WWE Network. We're trying to do something a bit different and uh, trying to make wrestling accessible. And this will actually blow people's mind. I, I don't want to insult anyone's intelligence and we're an adult product and that type of thing, but sometimes wrestling commentators don't need to swear. If it's in the right moment, then yeah. But but then you hear some other like wrestling commentators here in the UK that do stuff that really piss me off. And it's funny because I hear people throwing swear words around just willy-nilly and like going, what are you doing? What are you doing? It's like, it's, it's like you get British... Um, some wrestling commentators that I'll do like a 20 minute match and 10 minutes in, they just kind of start taking the piss out of the wrestling and the show. I'm not looking at anybody and I'm dying to name names, Billy, but I'm not going to. Uh, and I just like go, you know, go fuck yourselves. <laughs> like, uh, when, when is the right time? But I think personally, I think the C word on an actual broadcast, I don't think we need it. I don't think we need it. Use it at the right time. Use it at the right time. It has more power. Like a good finisher. <laughs> also, um, I, mean, I, don't was, say, I, don't, I don't know if Vince is a, is a fan. <laughs> I mean, speaking of your commentary, I mean, my first ICW experience would have been the, the Vice documentary and then uh, Insane in the Membrane, which cool. was on YouTube. Yeah. Because, uh, of course, I didn't know my channel was a thing and I had free views. So I don't think even, even I had my channel. Um, so it was, it was, it's not just like, oh, it's something different because you're swearing and all that kind of stuff. But it was very clear listening to you that it's the passion. That's why guys like Stryker, uh, Matt Stryker was so um, like lauded. That's why um, Mauro Ronaldo was so uh, like heavily loved by by the wrestling community online. It's because they could hear the passion coming through the voices. And um, sure, they might not know all the moves' names, but they're at least going to be excited. So you could be excited listening to them at the same time. So Thanks, man. I'm, I'm glad that. That that really is like a huge compliment. I really I really appreciate you noticing that because that is at the end of the day, you know, whether I, I, I be, uh, you know working like heel commentary or or color or somewhere in between or play by play whatever. Uh, I mean, I which is kind of how I do things. It's kind of like amalgamation of everything. Uh, at the end of the day, I want people to be. I mean, I want people to be as excited as I am. I mean, again, I, I don't want to have a go at other wrestling commentators because everyone's got their own style of way of doing things. But see if like. Tony Schiavone and Excalibur and Jim Ross and uh, and Pat McAfee and Michael Cole, they all are so passionate and excited. Like, if the best in the business are doing it, there's a fucking reason for it. You know what I mean? And and uh, uh, has anybody ever watched tennis? I don't really like tennis because I think, but and one of the things is like, it's like, it's like golf as well. The commentary's, it kind of matches the sport that you're watching. 
But if you watch like Formula One or something like that, you want to be excited. You want to be into it. You know what I mean? And and that's that. That's at the end of the day. I, I consider what I do get to do in, in wrestling a privilege and i'm genuinely excited to be there and i want you to be as excited as me um maybe i get a little too excited that could be a that could be a that could be a, a genuine criticism but uh, yeah I, I i i'm excited to be there and i want everyone to come on the journey with us you're welcome i want you to be as excited i want you to turn up and go well, well this is different you know and again i'm not having to go at other british wrestling commentators i'm really really not but uh, um don't replicate what other people do. Try and find your own voice. And for me, it's always about getting the passion right across and through. Not fake passion. Like I can't. Like I'm. I don't have a fucking poker face, Billy. This is it. This is this is what it is. And I wish I did because if I did, I'd probably be on Saturday nights and fucking night the Apollo and shit like that. But um, um, I I I don't think fake enthusiasm works. I'm genuinely excited to be there. And the day that I'm not would be the day that I'd I'd probably. I'd hit the road. Do you know what I mean? I, I I still love doing wrestling commentary and watching wrestling as much as probably when I when I first did. It's always evolving. It's exciting. You can hear it. You can hear when. Cause, I mean, again, not naming names because this is this isn't that kind of podcast no. uh, where we're just shooting on folk. Uh, oh, there is there is some ones with like Scotty Swift where we just go off the rails entirely. Uh, but yeah, we, we uh, yeah, it, it, you you know when someone's to be disingenuous about it. So it's, it's I don't know how, but just like. You can just hear, go, ah, you don't mean this. You don't mean this yeah. at all. Yeah, and and I, get, I have to do plenty of things that I'm not excited about. <laughs> so um, I, you can you can trust me. I am excited to be there whenever I'm doing wrestling commentary. Even when we had to do it during lockdown, you know, when we weren't there, it was, it was a release. It's And that's what wrestling is at the end of the day, man. It's a release for us all. It's, uh, you know, you get some people that like to watch horror movies and some people that like, like to listen to music and that's all it is. But for wrestling fans, hey, listen, it's our EastEnders. It's our release. I, uh, um, uh, I, I, I still love it. I still love it. And uh, yeah, like you say, disingenuous folk, man. It just does my fucking nut in. If, I, if you ever hear somebody saying, oh, I, I don't really hear from Billy Kirkwood much, there's probably a reason for it. So just watch out. Let's watch out. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That when you say it's the release, uh, I mean, obviously, I, I love my family and all that kind of stuff. But I know if I have a bad day, the ga- I can guarantee will cheer me up. Is a little bit of wrestling. I'll watch. Uh, I'll just go wrestling. on YouTube. I'll watch. Uh, I'm a massive Jeff Hardy fan, so I'll watch some uh, Hardy Boys match, or I'll watch awesome. a particular favorite is, is Jeff and uh, Undertaker uh, ladder match in 2002. Oh, that's one of my favorite matches. I'll of pop all time. on the return actually WrestleMania every now and then just to go like, oh. Oh, that was just one of those where, that went right. Do you know what I mean? One of those mm. like, yes. Although then, you know, subsequently the run after it didn't go that well. But uh, uh, um, yeah, I, I I find there will be wrestling that I'll watch all the time, but then I will just find myself doing the weirdest things. Like, I forgot Ronnie Garvin was the world heavyweight champion. What if that match is out there where he wins it? You know, just because it's a good time feel. Yeah, I still, I still love wrestling, particularly with AEW Dynamite just now, which is... AEW, which is like scratch, scratching a massive itch for me just now, like a type of wrestling that I love to this controversial point. I sometimes I've considered this, and I think w, I'm a WWE lifer, but did I like WCW better? I don't know, but it's a very, very deep question that I've considered, and it's AEW that's made me wonder it. Um, so I'll just again. Go in. We've got next one, Chris Daly. 
He's asked, uh, what is your favourite moniker you've given to someone? His is the Beast of Belfast. <laughs> um, um, I don't really know. Um, it's kind of a different world because like, uh, we're, we're, uh, we're a much more kind of structured product now in terms of like, you know, these, you know, these folk work backstage and they don't want me just randomly naming names and all that. There used to be a period where there wasn't like a lot of input that we would get from the wrestlers and we're trying to direct that in the right way. So like, but I, I get to work with the wrestlers. So um, I don't like throw them out willy nilly. Sometimes they're improvised. Sometimes it'll be like something that's come out. Um, the Beast of Belfast was kind of it for me and I hold it a very special place in my heart for that one so I've got to kind of say it probably is the Beast of Belfast but then there's been other ones like Stevie Boy, The New Age Pharaoh of Filth um, which was an amalgamation of um, because of the symbol of the filthy generation for example and he'd been a member of the New Age clique and it was kind of bringing it all together like he was this so there is a ridiculous amount of thought that goes into them sometimes <laughs> like you know he's at the top of because uh, sometimes the pharaohs were new to be nepotistic and violent and and horrible to anyone that's below them but they had their like a ridiculous amount of thought that goes into these things so i'd probably say those are my two favorite ian skinner um as another guy that's wrestling for us just now and and uh, um um the Thatcher's Cabinet, Thatcher's Cabinet, uh, which are a great tag team for ICW with him and Charlie Vice, the savior, the savior of Strinra, love shit like that. And Ian was trying to kind of find his place as a heel in that faction, and there was something about the way he came out kind of reminded me of Patrick Bateman from American Psycho. So I called him the British Psycho not really thinking about it is uh, and he's kind of taken that when he's got business cards which is fucking amazing but he also he said it helped him find the character a little bit you know he's not like knuckle dragon he is that guy in the smart suit that could punch your face in if he wanted and is just mental so uh, those those are a couple of my favorites uh i called the i call i used to call the kings of catch the young fox <laughs> for a while uh, but that was because they wrestled the young bucks and they were always coming up I, I love it when we get stuff from wrestlers as well. Like sometimes guys will come up with their own stuff, which is amazing. But I always say now, listen, run it past. I'll, I'll, you know, we can work on it. We can get it to where it needs to be if you want to work on it together. And that's happened a couple of times. Like guys have came with an idea and I went, well, I don't know about it. Or they've went to management and they've went, oh, I'm kind of thinking of the idea. And they went, go and sit down with Billy for five minutes and then come back. So that's uh, it's a collaborative process, which is a long answer to saying the Beast of Belfast. <laughs> Hang on a second, I've heard Kelly come in, so I'm going to close the door so we can't hear her. No worries, hopefully there's no flooding. <laughs> it's not a very big office, so that was, that was easy. Oh, the, my room here is tiny. It's this, absolutely this was... like the box room for years and just had shit in it and now i had to move out the shit to put in my nerd shit behind me instead um but anyway right so yeah um, speaking of nicknames how many of uh, vipers did you come up with she, she had like loads fucking uh, loads like i don't i don't even remember like there was um there was a couple of icw tours where i felt like i was coming up with stuff every fucking day <laughs> like but the like, chem is so amazing that she would be like, oh, what about this? What about, you know, so again, it was it was kind of nice getting to know people. And that's always where these things had come from a little bit, you know, because like, like Jason Reed, he, like, I think I was the first person to call him the staunch superstar. 
which was taking an element of you know what the gimmick is and that type of thing and giving it a legitimacy he's got a nickname you know the it's kind of cool um but kittens must have been lowes man there was the megaton barbie is not mine that i'm aware of i could be wrong because there's been a couple of people as well that have done t-shirts or they've quoted stuff back to me and i went oh yeah yeah and they went Look. it was you that said it was it all right brilliant uh like i, I just don't remember them particularly well which uh, um but she had like uh, uh the vixen of violence the babe of brutality um vixen of violence i always liked i'm a big fan of the, the alliteration which you'll know from the beast of belfast so there it goes so my, it was a good few man but then holler moves like she had like her her centon which we call bulbasaur and um oh, fuck man i'm sure there was a squirtle in there somewhere as well she's a big pokemon fan but she's doing all right for herself on Monday. She's doing okay. She's doing all right. She's done all right. I was—I ju- um, just got used to Piper Nevin. <laughs> I know. Just got yeah. Used to Piper Nevin. I'm, I'm the same. So if I'm if I speak about Dewdrop, I have to go two drop. You know, Piper Nevin. You know, Viper. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a frustrating thing actually. What do you know? I think Kim is um, just shooting for a second. I think just incredible, just a wonderful individual. More than anything, we're only ever get to interact in wrestling shows, but getting to know her a little bit. I just think she's an inspiring story and body positivity and loads of other things, man. I just think it's incredible that she's done what she's done. And and um, yeah, you know, I'd love to see her back in, in ICW someday, hopefully in the right situation. But again, like she's got married. She's got, she's got married. I think that's brilliant. I think that's absolutely brilliant. And the last one from Facebook is from Derek Through. Uh, I hope I've said your last name right. Hi, Derek. Just, uh, he's put, what quote from a wrestling match do you still look back on and say, yep, I liked that? Uh, here you give an example. Uh, for me, it was when it was during a War Machine match and they were up the ramp throwing opponents like rag dolls. And you said, last time I saw someone get thrown about like that, it was on a United Airlines flight. Ah, right. Because I know Vince likes these topical references. So I think that was somebody getting thrown off or there was a fight in a plane or something. So that's probably what that's been. Um, I can't remember them. I like I, I know that sounds like such a fucking cop out. Um, there's been matches which I've called and I've went, that was a good match. Do you know what I mean? But I don't. It's kind of changed. Like I don't really go out there to kind of get like phrases in, if that makes any. You know, kind of like, I think that kind of takes you out of the moment a wee bit. So I, I oh man, I, I couldn't be sure. Um, uh, I'm going to struggle to think of anything that really stands out. I remember describing. Um, Describing Jack Jester's mind is like a howling orgy of nightmares. I like that. I don't like that. Because <laughs> um, um, I quite linguistic, I quite like quite linguistic stuff. I just don't remember it very well. So I'm sad to say I don't really remember much. However, there were some moments from Fear and Loathing at the weekend, which I was quite happy about, which I think we kind of Jim Rossed it with. So I'm quite happy about some of that. So sorry, that's a shite answer to a very like, but I, I genuinely don't remember the lines. I genuinely don't remember them because they're not lines. They're just stuff I say. I wish like I don't sit with a pad. I wish I could because I'd probably have like a big glossary of stuff now, but I don't, I just don't. Um, so move over to Instagram is uh, Olivia has put in Billy, who's your main inspiration and that got you into stand-up comedy? Oh, wow. Uh, that's an easy answer. That's Robin Williams. Um, you know, it's uh, um, me and my family, we're, we're three very, me and my brothers were three very different guys. 
and my dad was, you know, who he was, and my mum was who she was. We're all very different, moving in kind of different directions. But the one thing that always bonded us was comedy. And um, whether I was a big Vic and Bob guy, like back in the day, and um, uh, but we'd always watch like Scotch and Rye and Billy Connolly. I don't think my mum was too keen on Billy Connolly. I can't even mind. It was my dad. I can't even mind. But uh, um, don't get me wrong, they're deaf. Like well, my family. The long story short is we would bond over comedy. And I remember being a Billy Connolly fan, but I remember we got like a video of Robin Williams live at the New York Met. And I remember going, oh man, wouldn't it be amazing to do that one day? And then didn't do anything for 15 years. Why would I? Um, because we see when you're a wee guy from like Ayrshire or Irvine where I grew up, just a wee working class guy, you're not, you're not meant to, no, you're not meant to go and do comedy or, or anything like that. You're meant to have 2.5 children, get a job in a factory. That's it. You're not meant to have any aspiration. You know what it's like, Billy. It's like, like you've got a podcast. You've went out there and created. You've done stuff of your own back. But there's a generation of people that would be like, oh, no, no, no. Well, other people go and do that. You don't know. What, what are you doing? And I, I hate that. I hate that attitude. Like, wait, who are you trying to be? What are you? And I know that. Like, like, it's quite funny, actually, because there's a guy that I went to college with that every now and then will comment under a video going, 20 years and still not funny. Like, we've never got on. We never go on but it's quite funny because it's like oh my god i'm living rent free in your head i'm living rent free in your head and i'd like i went literally went to college with this guy for two years maybe some twice a week but somewhere there's like the green-eyed monster because i went and done stuff whether it's whether i'm successful or whether people like me or not i've i don't equate that to anything i assume everyone thinks i'm fucking shite um but you get people like that that try and pull you back and and I just felt like comedy kind of transcends that a little bit. So for me, it was like Robin Williams was my guy. I didn't realize that until later on. Um, he had clearly had ADHD, easily distracted. Um, but um, he had such passion for what he did and such drive. And um, I very much missed, very much missed. But Robin Williams was my guy. Realistically, when it comes to stand up, he was my guy. I mean, you can see I've got like, uh, I don't have a Robin Williams one, but you can see I've actually got some of my Billy Connolly, uh, um, Chick Murray, Ricky Fulton, who's apparently a dick, but never mind, and uh, <laughs> Ronnie Corbett. So I, I got my uh, I got my idols around me. I've got Rob, Robin Williams one up in the wall as well. So whenever I come in, I just come and look at the pictures. Uh, that's the thing for me when, when I've seen I've seen you live so many times now. I was just trying to count it in my head. Sorry. And... No, it's, no, no. I, I liked you so much. I even start, I started dragging Kelly along to them, and she loves you as well. So I remember. I remember. I think I did um, Inverness. I remember we did Inverness, and we got to meet up properly. Yes, uh, after Inverness, that's when I showed you that we were in this for the first time. So I met you, well, that one, but I also saw the the we try it when you did it. Uh, oh, it's called Hootenannies. Hootenannies. Um, that uh, you did the compare at Elgin Town Hall biggest wooden room in the world uh oh that was fun that was a fun show that was a jarred christmas i think you headlined that, that one so far to go though oh my god so far to go but a nice time nice time and uh, of course in the in the juicy cobbler in the smallest room with the dolphin i think was in there uh, uh someone laughed like a dolphin so i don't remember yeah. that no. <laughs> oh yes yes because there was a woman that i had to do i remember now yeah 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 <laughs> So, so we, we've seen you about uh, yes, pal. <laughs> at this point. Um, and, and, and The money's uh, all gone. I can't give you it back, Billy. The money's gone. The money's gone. Well, what I, what I tell people is like, it's 
it's like controlled. I don't know if you, if you're just absolutely pull, like blaming like a fiddle here, but uh, it's like controlled erraticism. It's like you start a story and then like much like a Billy Conley or Robin Williams, you kind of wander off and you come oh, back God, to it yeah. I somehow. Mean, I, I would love like. <laughs> I do sit in envy of these guys. I've got a new five minute bet and it's all about one topic. And like, how, <laughs> like, how do you do that? Um, like, I think it's funny because I'm, I'm writing a thing about when I went to Africa a few years ago in a gig and this bet is like five minutes. It was originally like five minutes long. And then the first time I did it on stage, it was like two minutes. It's like fucking hell. I just, I, I found myself like, ah, I don't want to talk about that. Or I, I got distracted by other things. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it's, um, Breaking kayfabe uh, for a sec, comedy kayfabe. If you go and see a comedian, chances are um, there's a there's a large portion of what he or she has said they have said before. Um, but kind of like pro wrestling, I do like you getting the impression that it's the first time I've ever said it. Which the way this the way I style things, like you say, kind of ducking out and being improvisational, like not being scared to go off on a tangent. Because I know I can come back, which I think is what Billy does, and I think Robin Williams probably did, is having fun in the moment. Like, I want every gig to be that little bit different. So uh, um, that's what I do. So I'm not, I'm not working you like a fiddle. I genuinely will. But again, I'm not scared of it. Like, if I, I feel a connection with an audience, I will do that. Like, and that is a sign that I'm having a good time. Like, I've seen people come and go, oh, man, I came to see the same show twice. And they've been like, oh, man, I love that brand new show. And you're like, wasn't a brand new show. And then they broke down two of these things. And it's like, all right, okay. All right. Admittedly, there was a lot of stuff you haven't heard before, which does equate to a new show. But I don't, I don't think of it that way, which is wild. But yeah, that, that's that's kind of how it is. I, I like uh, going off on tangents and having fun. Just having fun with it, you know? I'd say if I was smart, I'd record every, every show. I'd probably have like fucking five Netflix specials or something just of content about wanking backhand or something i have no idea it's, don't try it doesn't work speaking speaking of that not of that but the word wanking uh you've ruined top loader forever when uh, your your thing was changing wanking the word dancing and into wanking what? yeah right and they're a top loader coming to elgin next year and i'm gonna be sitting there <laughs> listening to them going i'm just hearing wanking in the moonlight this is you know, all i'm hearing now do you know they did um they like i was over doing a gig in dubai and top loader were there like the following week and i just i still remember the annoyed look in the booking agent's face when he went we've got top loader next week and i went top loader what are they going to do their song and he did not look happy man he did not look happy yeah name me what's... five top loader hits name me five that's all i'm not being dis disrespectful but oh i mean they, they're getting paid well for dancing in the moonlight it's the only song on radio two most days uh, oh yeah, there must be it must be some songs when you're doing the the breakfast show that you're singing. Yes, like, this one again. <laughs> is it Little Mix? I like I like be some Little Mix, but Jesus, Bauer love Little Mix. Hey, look, I don't <laughs> pick the songs, and the number of times you need to actually break that down. I mean, I get a little bit of play sometimes, but it's like very little. Like it's minimum what I've got to do. I mean, I these hey, I've, I've I've said me piece. I just think there's other things we could play in breakfast radio. That's it. I like Adele. I like Ed Sheeran. But let's play the upbeat stuff at eight o'clock in the morning. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, I've got very little experience. I did a um, MFR, did a, a student radio thing for yes. a year. I was on Monster FM. Um, I did a, a wrestling show on it. Really? Uh, and also did an alphabet show, which I very I realized very quickly there's not many ones that start with X. 
<laughs> I had four weeks of it. I had really had, str- I had X Factor um, nice. finalists as, as one week, and I thought that's, that's clever. That's clever. I would have never thought of that. That's clever. But no, that that was that was terrible. I I, I, I had three weeks of Queen. Brad oh, Queen's of the Stone Age. Eh, ra- ra- Radio is what it is. Uh, we get to play loads of tunes that I like. But you know, as um, when you're doing things in real time and you're doing a load of different things, um, half of them, I'm afraid to say, kind of just fade into the back. They just fade into the background. So, you know, it, it doesn't actually be a much issue for me. Unless I, unless I personally take a dislike to a song, I'm not great at hiding that. I don't even a dislike, like, it's under a song called Bad Habits, and I'm kind of like, what's your bad habits, Ed? What's your bad habits, a 30-year-old multi-millionaire with 300 million? What's your bad habits, Ed? You know, I just, I don't know. I don't know. Although I was not a fan of Galway Girl. Uh, so we've got Michael as well. Uh, he, he, he took he took your your Instagram and your, your tweet to heart. He's put, uh, if, you, if you're stuck in the outback, you can only have one album, a machete and one bushwhacker. What's your pick? Also, is your bushwhacker the same pick if he was just a simple sheep herder? Well, well, that's Michael showing a little bit of his knowledge there because they were called the sheep herders, aren't they? So uh, who's my favourite? It's Butch. I know Luke had the longer career, but first of all, Butch is my favourite bushwhacker. Everyone's got their favourite. If you have to, probably Shag Butch. But he's also my favourite of the two. So, um, so his question is, if I have to take an album? Yeah. So I'm going to guess okay. not Ed Sheeran that had Bad Habit on it. Probably not. Probably not. Uh, God, an album that I could just listen to every day. Do you know, my, my favourite band in the world is actually the Bare Naked Ladies. If I'm, oh, if I'm nice. honest. I love the Bare Naked Ladies. Um, but I have a very, I have a very, very, I, I, I just like songs. I don't particularly care for like following artists. Uh, more than anything, like I'm literally, I've literally, if I just, if I just very quickly open my Spotify here, um, God, like I don't know why everyone doesn't have a Spotify account. I just think they're the greatest things on earth. Um, like I mean, God, this every type of artist in the world, Colin Fry, punk rock, Factory, they're amazing. They do covers uh, of stuff. Uh, then we'll get into um, Rob Duggan, uh, Lemonheads. I listen to bloody everything, Billy. I like I'm an absolute fucking nightmare. Um, um I've always got a playlist for pretty much everything. Um oh, there's a bit of Fozzie there. Poppy, she's not too bad. Um Sega Ross, God almighty, uh Leah de Alanis, um, who's a, a Portuguese guy, the Atomic Fireballs, um a bit of everything really. So I don't I, I don't know if there's an album I would I would take. Do you know what? I'm going to say Bare Naked Ladies, Born on a Pirate Ship, because it was the first Bare Naked Ladies album I ever bought. That's a good one. I, I, yeah, when I saw that question, my, my first thought was like maybe a Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack or something, because that just not a, bad a little, little bit of everything. Do you uh, know, comes to yeah, you've answered that question much better than me, because <laughs> I, I, I would like something that was a bit upbeat and a, something that was a bit all over the place. So uh, yeah, but I don't know, man. Like Maybe a Dead Posey album. I quite like Dead Posey. They've done very well. Um, fuck no I'm, I'm going to stick with the Bernicke ladies that's the hell I'm going to die on I, people are probably expecting me to say stuff like Hailstrom or like Ramstein which again would be quite good but I don't necessarily know if being stuck on an island listening to Ramstein would be good for your good for your mental health after a while do you know what I mean you're gonna, when that boat pulls up to pick you up you're going to be in a much worse state so yeah 
I mean, I don't want to, to pick holes in this, but I mean, of course, I don't, I don't know if, if I had a million dollars was was on that particular album. It was. But if you're sitting, it, it pretty there, much would stick it on every album because yeah. it's like clearly the most popular song. If you're sitting on an island with a machete and one bushwhacker, and you're just hearing, "If I had a million dollars," that I mean, I don't think Butch would last too much longer because you'd be like, "God, I wish I had a million dollars. I'd be, I'd be yeah. rich. Give me some Bush Dijon mustard. I'll just eat Butch." And uh, turn his bones into a life raft and go off there. No one need ever know. No one need ever know. That's my plan. It'd only, it'd only come up when there's conventions around and they're phoning Luke going, have you, have you seen Butch? Uh, no. No idea. You know, Luke could take the booking on his own. I don't think Luke's a good guy like that. I think he'd happily take the booking on his own. Um, so Twitter. More Twitter. on Twitter. We've got loads here. Um, Brawbeard. Of course, you do a podcast. Uh, the broadcast. Uh, if you're a wrestler, what would your name be and what would your entrance music be? Fuck, right. This is a hard one because, like, I, I again, it comes down to Spotify. The number of tracks I'd listen to and go, oh, this is a fucking entrance tune. This, would this be my debut music? <laughs> like, would this be what hits? Is this the music? Like, like how would my how would my debut go? Um, so uh, uh, what would my wrestler music be? Fuck, I don't know. Um, there's actually a tune that I keep listening to just here. Um, where the fuck are you? Where the fuck are you? Um, I just saw it there a second ago. Um, right, so in terms of my wrestler gimmick, um, I have no, nor have ever really had any interest in being a wrestler. So I find that really hard to even think about. Like, what would my gimmick be? Like, I, I, at one point, I can, I can see this here. But um, about a year and a half ago, two or two years ago, before everything shut down, I was actually planning on uh, running my own wrestling show um, for a company that was going to be called Big Fun Wrestling at the time. And the idea was going to be, it was kind of like the um, mid uh, what the bloody hell was it called? Mid-South Championship Wrestling. You know the, the parody stuff they did in the WWE Network? Oh, South like, South Paul, I knew I was going to get it wrong. And my idea was like, so the British equivalent of that, but imagine like, so it was from the 90s. It was like a lost video cassette like you'd found um, from somewhere in the 90s, an alternative universe, if you like, but it was very going to be stylized in a certain way. And we were going to have like, like, I was oh, gutted. I had a venue booked. I had like, I'd already reached out to wrestlers. Do you know what I mean? We had gimmicks. We were going to have, we were going to do it during the Glasgow Comedy Festival of 2020. And it was going to be, uh, um, it was even going to be the Glasgow Comedy Festival Cup, which was a tag team cup. There was no championships, but cups. And, uh, and it was wild and out there gimmicks. Like we were going to have the pacifist accountants who were two extremely skinny trainees. <laughs> and I still can remember the promo of them coming out going, there's been a terrible mistake we're not wrestlers but they were in this tournament somehow uh we were going to have the dandies who were going to be two giant flowery wigs and a workhouse boy uh they were going to have at ringside who would hulk up when they had snuff uh the disco viking who um um the disco viking who was oh well, i can't say who was going to portray it but um we had quite a big name that was set up to play the Disco Viking, so I'm quite gutted about that. He was a time-travelling Viking with Dr. Bastard, who was just an evil doctor, and they were all going to be in these odd couple tag teams. And So I think that's where my kind of interest would be. If I'd ever been a wrestler, I think I probably would have been a tag team guy. Maybe hardcore. Maybe it would have been, maybe it would have been something like the Nasty Boys or 
public enemy. I think having someone there to have fun with, I think would have been my uh, my whole thing. So I'm afraid um, that if it was in terms of entrance music, um, I'd probably use um, something like, I don't know, Blow or something, which is like a collaboration track between, believe it or not, Ed Sheeran and someone else, which is quite down and it's quite cool. Um, and in terms of wrestling gimmick, fuck man, I don't know. Um, Bastard Inc. <laughs> which is called Bastard Inc. Mad Bastard Jackson and Mad Bastard, something like that. So be, I don't know. But if I could be any type of wrestler, fuck man, who wouldn't want to be a cowboy? Who wouldn't even be a cowboy? Particularly now. Stand oh, Lariat yeah. Hanson, mate. Or uh, I would love to say Mike Foley, but I'm too much of a pussy. Well, I say we were speaking in the, fir- in the first part about like everyone wants to hold a belt. If you see a wrestling belt, cowboy hats, exact same. If you see a cowboy hat, you're putting that cowboy hat on. And a bad boy. In fact, I did a gig in Aberdeen not that long ago, and there was a boy on from Tennessee who had a cowboy hat on. And I did say, dude, I'm like, I, I know this is probably like sacrilege, but can I have a go in your hat? <laughs> like, can I have a go? And he was like, yeah, cool. No, believe it or not, no one's asked. And it's like, everyone's a fool. <laughs> I'm having a go of your fucking hat. And I realized what a prick I look in a hat with my stupid long, scraggly hair coming down and my messy beard. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. It would be something like that. I'm afraid people have probably thought like I put tons of thought into it, but I, God. Who, who wouldn't want to debut and challenge John Moxley? I'd love to have debuted as like a heel or an asshole heel manager or, or something along those lines, like a like a, a, a aggressive version of Paul Polly Dangerously or something like that. I think in terms of what my interest would have been in that kind of respect, it would have been at the other end of what I do. Because it's funny because people say like, what type of heel would you like to be if you were a heel commentator again? And they'd be like, well, Pat McAvee's kind of stolen my gimmick. <laughs> like just an asshole. But he's funny, he's engaging, he's passionate about what he does. But if you're going to be like like a heel manager or something, you want people to fucking hate you and anyone. So you can't make them laugh. You can't make them such and such. And I'm, ah, there's just no real interest, I'm afraid. So there it is. Yeah, exact, exact same. I mean, every so often I'll have the thought in my head, like, I want to do an elbow drop. That'll be it. I'll, if I do an elbow drop, I'll be quite happy. I'll retire from there. Right. But Beyond pissing uh, about like a one-off piss about or something like in a like an after a, a like like a dark thing or something you know like I, I really couldn't ever see it I'm, I'm I've been asked to be involved in, in sort of angles a couple of times and I've always really shied away from it because it's like ah, I just think I'm in the right place I just think I'm in the right place and trust me there's not very many people in the wrestling industry who are non-wrestlers that would have the same attitude yeah, um, I've called you out. Let well, the speak, wrestlers do it. Speaking of of uh, like creativity and all that, and what I would you like to be to in the square go though. <laughs> Why not? I mean, I'm the Jenny the King Lawler spot. Oh, no, that, yeah, no, no, that, right. that would be my one dream. So here's the idea, Billy. Right? Bing, 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 bing. Billy Kirkwood. Right. So I, oh yes, here we go. This is happening. I climb in the ropes. Every wrestler that's in the ring stops and basically goes, what the fuck are you doing? Get the fucking hell out of there. Quite right, I don't know what I was thinking about. Ah! Over the top rope, not through the middle. Like I'm still trying to sneakily stay in it. It's like, oh yeah, of course, of course. And that's it, that'd be me, it'd be done. That'd be me, it'd be done. I'd take a bump for someone, fuck it. 
Yeah, it's, it's like, like you said, you don't want to do it. For, you don't want to do it, but I mean, if you got, if you got asked to do it once, you'd be like, oh, okay, I'll just, just do it once. If you really want to do a square goal, I remember, bless it, I think Joe Coffey said, like, I'd do something for you. And it was like, no, <laughs> like, like I, I don't know what a bump would be. <laughs> like, what that, that, that's part of the problem, Joe. What could I do? Like, what could I do that would justify anything? Like, you even remotely budgeting because. We're, we're we're telling stories here, and I don't know. I just think, I think I actually my own respect for what wrestlers do was would actually be what kind of fuck it up. So they've got like a punch in somebody. Go, I'm really sorry. It's like Billy really, Wheaton. And, and speaking of that, when you saw Simon Cassidy do his stunner, was that the moment where you looked and went, "No, that's okay. I'm happy behind this desk here." Oh no, I've been happy behind the desk. I like this stunner. I like this stunner. I mean, I don't like the idea of having to do one or take it. Uh, I'd say that I did take a stunner. I have taken a stunner from uh, uh, Bobby Roberts, who I can never remember. I was some some pre-show we were doing in Edinburgh or something, and just for a laugh, he was doing his Stone Cold Bobby Roberts gimmick, and everyone was in the ring, and they, for, everyone just started coming in the ring, and he just stunned everyone, <laughs> and we just had fun with it, man. It was like, yeah, I love that shit. But uh, yeah, the the thing is, I like fun in wrestling, so. Nothing serious, but um, it's the right thing. So I, I like what Simon Cassidy did, but she dropping on your arse like that. That looks nay fun. That looks nay fun. Fuck, I didn't get a bad back. I'm old now. You know what I mean? Older. I don't want to drop my arsehole and then there I am next day. Oh, broke my arsehole. Nobody having sympathy for me. Don't need it. Uh, speaking of having fun, uh, Pro 2 Wrestling, I've, I've got in touch because you are Pro 2. Um, why so serious, Commissioner in Pro 2? What's your hopes for the division and future plans? Um, well, um, what's a, what's a good way of putting this? Hopes for the division. Uh, I would like to see some new names that we've never seen before, some new interactions, some new matches coming together. Um, I want to see people really showing personality in this division and finding unique ways to tell their story in the ring. I mean, we're going to do a tournament to start it up, which is going to be very, very exciting. I've seen, uh, obviously, I've always seen the names that are coming in. And we're very excited about some of these combinations together. What will be the future of the Why So Serious title? Um, well, we're looking for bona fide athletes that are going to put on memorable displays. But I would love it if uh, we can open up the division of having these guys involved in maybe gimmick matches that have never been seen before. And by that, I mean really, truly unique things. So... Uh, as we're built memorable, let's put it this way. I want the Why So Serious to be the most memorable match of the night. And by doing that, we're bringing in some high caliber athletes that I know can go, some of them big names, some of them not. So I think the Pro 2, uh, we're built, the um, Big Logan is building something from the ground up. I'm excited to be involved and, uh, and uh, working very hard and uh, bringing fun to pro wrestling not everything needs to be gritty and dark and mysterious let's have some fun absolutely um did you see uh, jeff hardy's uh, suggestion of an upward spiral match speaking of of unique matches i did not was that on the stone cold thing um i don't I, well I, i'm just started watching the stone cold thing but this was come put on like you know, cult holic or something like that and the okay. idea was was uh you start the match and then every three minutes or something the ring speed spins start spinning and then five minutes later it's, it speeds up and then it just keeps speeding up as you're as you're wrestling in it i like that um, 
So I don't know how they'd ever do it. But... I mean, I don't think it's practical. I mean, it's like, I don't, I don't think it's practical at all. <laughs> but uh, um, I like the idea about adding an element to like the, 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 the ring slowly rotating. I don't know if they want to like that. Unless that's like the go-to, like there's a countdown, you know, like the 10 minute mark starts going like the wall of death. Or some shit, but uh, no, I like ideas like that, and that's hopefully something we can bring. Like, I remember uh, uh Chris Renfrey years ago suggesting the um, the, a life match, which was like a, a death match, but it was with loads of comfy stuff <laughs> like people hitting each other with beanbags and uh, you know, a duvet strapped to a uh, which sounds very odd. And, and I know that there's going to be some people going sacrilege that's fucking sacrilege to talk about wrestling in those towns, but I come from the sh- I love. Like so Shikara and some of the fun and ridiculous and over the top things they did there. And I like elements of that coming into wrestling. Hey, look, man, we're we're telling stories here and we're having some fun. And I would love to see more unique ideas. More unique ideas. I think wrestling's gimmick matches, especially, have kind of stagnated a little bit. Let's have a haggis on a pole match. You know, a haggis on a pole, both guys are dressed like rabbi buns. Let's fucking go for it. Let's let's get our identities. Let's have ourselves some fun. Which I know some people will be losing their fucking mind and going, who is this comedian dickhead coming up with these ideas? But I ain't talking about doing it at fucking WrestleMania. I've just... One of the things that is just... I've always really gravitated to is colour within wrestling and people showing the personalities. I love a story. I love a story more than anything else. Um, and... And that's not a criticism on some of our pure athletes, but even AJ Styles, if you go back and watch AJ Styles and TNA, you will go, my God, he is amazing. What an athlete in his early years. But then he learned how to tell a story and went to a completely new level. And that's what I kind of like in pro wrestling and having a bit of fun, having a bit of fun. Everyone, there was a bit there in NXT where everyone was like, boots and tights, ah, get your teeth, watch your jaw. Ah, like everyone was kind of the same and fuck me, it got boring. Finn Balor became a hell of a lot more interesting when he started being the demon and when he started being the rocker roller. That's all I'm going to say. What an athlete, but trust me, you would go out your, he would fill the Tokyo Dome when he became the rock and roller and leader of Bullet Club, which I've never heard of and I assume they ripped off Billy Club. But no, but I, again, I'm, I'm the person to speak to about this because one of my favourite gimmicks around is in WTL, and uh, when they come to Elgin once a year, they've got a guy called the Bulgarian Baker, Brozadir, uh, no, Branimir Bro- uh, Bozadar, and uh, it's a guy in a mask uh, dressed as a chef or dressed as a, a baker, and <laughs> he comes out with a stale bit of bread. So that's all Love I needed. Love stuff like that. Do you know what was, we were talking? To, I was talking to Dallas backstage at uh, Fear and Loathing. And he'd forgotten about this gimmick idea. <laughs> and we wanted Jimmy Superfly Snooker. So what it was is a guy in a waistcoat dressed like a snooker player coming out to the big 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 break theme. <laughs> and he would uh, he would come out and put 20p on the on the ring apron and go, I'll wrestle the winner. And I was obsessed with this man. I thought this was the greatest thing. And uh I, I, I like a little bit of fun. You need you need little bits like that to release for the colour. And I just, hey, look, we're, we're just having fun. Those moments make Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar mean so much more. Those moments make Hangman Page. I mean, you think about it. Hangman Page winning, beating Kenny Omega two years ago wouldn't have really meant anything. 
It would have been like, oh, this is good. But now two years later, what a fucking, it's the hot, it was the hottest thing in wrestling. Do you know what I mean? And I just, uh, I, I like a bit of color and I love the Dark Order. What is worth? I fucking love the Dark Order. Orange Cassidy, I can take a leave, but I like him. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. It. I mean, you go, you go to, you go to a circus. You can see the the trapeze artists, and you're like, "Oh, they're really good." And then another two guys come out and do trapeze again. You're going, "All right, okay." And our <laughs> two guys do the same thing. You're like, oh no, I've seen this already. Go on, give me, give me the clown. Give me the clown. Pretty now, much, please. pretty much. And I, and I can understand why they change things on NXT 2.0. Like, I, 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 I get it. I mean. I quite liked NXT the way it was, but I get what they're trying now. Although I'm not going to get into specifics with WWE because it's like, nah, you know, what the fuck do they care what I think? But uh, you're right. It's exactly the same thing. It's like, you need something about, imagine you just watched action movies and nothing else. You would not give a fuck, but you'll watch, I don't know, it's always sunny in Philadelphia, laugh your head off and then go back to it. You just need that release. And then it's always sunny in Philadelphia becomes your favorite fucking thing in the world. You know, but you still love, you still love John Wick. You still love that. I mean, you're going to go to the cinema to see John Wick, right? But you can watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia on your fucking phone. You can watch it in your house. You know, it's just, uh, you, you need that little bit of release. I never thought I'd be basically given an advertising for Netflix as part of pro wrestling, but there it is. There it is. Well, uh, just to spin off for a second, that you also uh, had a series of stand-up shows uh, uh, by Bad Movies. Uh, was it Bad right. Movies with Good Comedians? Is that what yes, it's called? So, what was the worst movie that you, you came across during that? Oh, fuck, man, there's so many. Well, what I can tell you is this, that there, are, there is big plans for watch bad movies, great comedians in 2022. There's going to be some live shows. There's going to be an accompaniment podcast. And uh, we're going to be going abroad. And there might even be some telly stuff, which is very exciting. Um, it's one of my favorite shows to do. But the worst film I ever did, you see, the thing is, like, we did a couple of films that I quite liked, but I realized that they're bad movies. Like they're not great. Like one of my favorite movies ever is Phantasm 2. But I know it's not good. You know what I mean? But I, I love it because of what it is. You know, it's like sometimes I'm like that with wrestling. It's like, oh, don't take things so seriously. You know, like you're never gonna fucking like is there anyone out there going, well, I couldn't stand the I couldn't stand the natural disasters. They were uh, I mean they weren't the greatest of workers. It's like fuck off. Did you ever see a natural disasters match you didn't enjoy? No, shut up. You know, um so uh, um in terms of uh, um, the worst movie I ever saw, the worst movie we ever did, man, was probably Super Mario Brothers, because like I remember it being a bit of genius when I was a kid. <laughs> But as an adult, there's like a half hour where fucking nothing happens. There's all this action and nothing happens. Like there's nothing, nothing. And you see, when you're trying to make fun of nothing, sucks. So there's that. There's Troll Two, which is a sequel to Troll One. The way you need to know about Troll Two is there's no connection to Troll One and doesn't have any trolls in it. So that's a big problem. Uh, <laughs> goblins. It's good goblins. No trolls. Neutrals. And it was directed by an Italian filmmaker who couldn't speak English. So the script, so he wrote the script in Italian. It was translated into English. He's directing English-speaking uh, actors, but he has no idea what they're saying. Like, he can't go and inflate. It's shite. But, um, so that's probably up there. That's probably up there. But it's got a bit of a cult following because it knows what it is. It knows what it is. That sounds like a, a meta community style joke that 
Yeah. Pretty much, man. Yeah. Pretty much. I think they did like... actually. They had uh, had a guy. It was wasn't there an episode where it was a guy that uh, they were watching the whatever. Ita- I, I want to say Italian just because you mentioned Italian, but a remake Portuguese. It's Portuguese remake of Gremlins. Oh. Uh, they only seen Grem- Gremlins once, and it was it was it just it was yeah it was it was awful. Uh, Do you know? What? I think there's a Turkish remake of Rambo, which is also terrible. It's like fucking just awful, man. Like these bits of admin in it. Like it's just it's just awful, just awful bits of marching. There's a lot of marching, but they decided to keep that in the film. It's like look, we're this is them marching along a field, and it's like what the fuck are you doing? So uh, uh, yeah, that th- those would be my takes. Turkish Rambo, I forget what it's called. Rampage. It's called Rampage. Yeah, ah, close enough. <laughs> it's on YouTube. It's on YouTube. Enjoy. We've got Westy here. Uh, what's your thoughts on the newest wrestlers just breaking out in the wrestling scene? And is there a particular new wrestler who stands out for you personally? Wow. Right. God, so many. Um, do you know it was? Um, I think it was uh, maybe August. Maybe not August. But uh, we got a chance that we were in the same room because we, with ICW, we'd been recording. Um, me and Jamie had been doing commentary remotely. So we weren't in the building when we were doing the shows. And I remember that we were back in the building for the first time. And Dallas had asked me to say something to the wrestlers about what we'd be looking for. And it ended up being a little bit of a motivational speech. Because the cool thing is, is I got to say to them, guys, I've, I've, I've got to watch these for the last six months and I've got to become fans. Because there was a lot of these guys I had never seen, you know, um, that I'd become real fans of, and uh, uh, and I and I really hope they took that to heart because I am I, I, um, um, I, gen- I genuinely really excited about a lot of the young talents we're producing in Scotland, even the likes of Progress and what have you. They're doing very well. Um, so I'll give you a, like a little scatter shot of some of the guys I think are rocking it just now, whether it's in Scottish wrestling. Or whether it's elsewhere, is that I, I don't not sure if that's what Westy's asking. If she's asking about ICW, I've got loads, and it's hard for me to have my picks. But here's some of them: Ian Skinner, I think is fantastic. The British Psycho, Savior's friend now, Charles Charles Vice, Thatcher Wright is doing an incredible job as well. Uh, I know that he put in a question and all that type of thing, but whatever, I put the boy over. I think he's fantastic. Um, Kez Evans is has been doing an amazing job in ICW for two the and PWI a half. Five hundred. What's that? Using the PWI five hundred. As he should year. be, he is doing. Kez is something different, and that is what I think is brilliant. He is doing something different. He's an asshole. He's an antagonist. He he kind of reminds me. He's got like that kind of Tully Blanchard thing going about him. And Tully was never really a face, or anything. He's just. There's just something about him, and I, I I think he's doing an incredible job. Dylan Thorne, all the guys in the manifesto in ICW, Dylan Thorne is, trust me, you guys are going to remember the name Dylan Thorne. He is going to be a big deal in pro wrestling. Daz Black, our, uh, our Zero-G champion, doing an incredible job. Uh, Craig Anthony, sorry, but he's not with us just now. He's uh, he's away. Um, so that's kind of... And then the, the women, we've got, we've got uh, Rosie Knight. We've got Rosie Knight. Uh, Moxie Malone, she does a great job as well. Um, I've got to say, big shout-out to the She-Wolves. Uh, for Casey's all the mother of chaos, Mama, Mama Mayhem, whatever she wants to call herself. Mama Mayhem's a new one I'm trying to creep in. I don't know if she's going to go for it. Oh, there's one. You said names, Mother of Chaos. That's one of mine. That's one of mine. Um, but it was because Game of Thrones, and it was like, but I love it when someone goes, Oh, that's mine. Like, I can come up with words. 
but they can understand the meaning on a level that I can't ever let them go, ah, it's mine, and it's in there, and then it becomes all part. So that's one. Uh, then you've got Molly Spartan as well, who, again, I think is going to be a big deal. Um, I've known Molly for a long time, and I've always been a fan of her. I've always been in her corner, and I think she's doing an incredible job as well. Uh, Anastasia, uh, we've got to mention Leighton Buzzard as well, who is another one who's just a talented little fucker. This guy could have been selling out Broadway, but he decided, no, no, I'll, I'll go into pro wrestling, see what it's like. And now he's like main event, and he's one of the fucking best we've ever produced. Sickening. Sickening, man. Um, outside of there, um, I want to give a shout out to a couple of guys that are up and coming that are uh, graduates of Joe Hendry. Um, there is uh, Dean Mack, who um, is just, I think he's going to start doing some stuff for Discovery. Man, I, I like what this boy's selling. I like what he's doing. And he's doing great. I, like, I'm excited to see what he does. And that's purely as a wrestling fan. I don't work for Discovery. Uh, I, don't, I don't work for Joe Hendry or anything like that. It's like, I, I think Dean's going to be the Supreme. There's another guy that uh, um, is, is needing to get more of the ring miles. You know, I, 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 someone that was kind of created, if you like, going into lockdown. So when these guys start getting, you know, the, the, the canvas under their boots, big things. I'm excited about what they're going to do. Um, and Jason Reed as well. He's another one of our boys that I think is going to be a future world champion. I genuinely think that. I think he's um, incredible. I think he's going to be a, a big deal for us. So and outside of there, you know, I, th I love what Joe Gacy's doing on, on uh, NXT. Uh, I, I I really like it because it's different, um, and and uh, I do you know I could literally rattle off just all the young wrestlers that someone joined just now, but those those are the ones in Scotland that I'm a big fan of right now. Um, just just because everyone everyone will expect me to get wrestlers on reference in somewhere in an episode. Um, Caleb Valhalla, he's just he's oh. he's one of my guys. Just like yes, yes. Caleb's <laughs> yeah. only worked uh, one show for us. Very impressive. Uh, I think, again, there's going to be big things. Um, I mean, I know he's worked very closely with Andy Wilde and what have you as well. Um, yeah, uh, the fucking, you see that boy coming out and you go, look at this handsome motherfucker and the way he moves for a boy of his size. Uh, it's frightening. So, uh, yeah, I think Caleb's a, a really talented young man. And again, it would be another one of these, another one of these, I want to see more of them. Do you know what I mean? It's regardless of me calling wrestling commentary. It's like, I want to see more. I want to see more. So Caleb's another, he's a good boy. He's a good lad. Good boy. Good boy. I won't fucking say that. It makes it sound like, uh, No, it really is a, 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 a big rock of a lad. And I'm looking forward to seeing more from him. Absolutely. Um, so we've got Callum Bruce. He's asked, uh, best match you've ever done commentary on? That's like asking to pick between my kids. I don't I don't have one. I don't have one. I mean, I've got a favourite kid, of course. Um, but uh, um, I, I've got favourites. But then, then we'll do a show and that match becomes a favourite. So it's hard to tell. Like, yeah, I wish I had ones. Like, I don't, um, I should have more of an ego that I go, oh, fucking ace, though. That was fucking incredible. But I just assume everything I, I'm assuming like a comedy and everything. I just assume I'm shit. So uh, I can only say the ones that I enjoy. Um, so I would say um, some of my favourites. Um... Uh, Guido versus Chris Renfrew uh, Battlelands uh, battle um, Team ICW versus The Black Label uh, Hydro Queens of Insanity That's a personal favourite And Got a couple from the last weekend 
to be honest. Uh, um, the Manifesto, um, they were in a multi-man tag, uh, a four-man tag match. That one was great. And, ooh, that would be another, there was another one from that weekend, which I really enjoyed. Um, I've thrown a blank. Is that not terrible? But those, those are some of my favourites. Those are some of my favourites. And uh, your dream fear and loathing card. I know that that's quite a loaded question. So <laughs> we'll go if you want to. What who would you like to see come from? Like, you know how ICW usually bring in an imported talent uh, or, or someone from like, a big name. Um, a couple that you would really like to see in ICW. Oh, um, do you know what? I mean? um, it's hard. It's hard. Um, so if they can come from anywhere, I mean. It's, it didn't get to happen, but I would have loved to have seen the elite in ICW doing a, like a run, like a, a six month run. Like I think I think I would have loved to have seen like uh, the Bucks versus the the Kings of Catch or the Bucks versus the Apollo Promotions, you know, uh, or or Kenny Omega trading the uh, like I I remember I I in my head I'd booked it me and Jamie. Kennedy talk book like we're nerds man like in the car if you could there's a podcast in the car to and from like gigs we just uh, we'll just back it on but I remember I wanted like Kenny Omega to come in and do a show like I, or Kenny Omega and the Elite to come in and do a show at ICW and it'd be the usual like oh you know Kenny Omega's gonna wrestle for the Zero G title and the Bucks would wrestle whoever in a non-title but then Kenny Omega being like, you know, this was a showcase match. It was adding to the legacy. But I I want to be the Zero-G champion of ICW. I I, I thought I, I this was fun, but halfway through the match, things turned. And I want your title. So Kenny comes in, wins the title, and then gets a big rematch of Fear and Loathing. So that'd be one of my matches. And I, I would have loved to have seen uh, Polo Promotions taking on maybe the box in a heated or a multi-man tag match or something. That, that would have been kind of good. So I would have loved to have seen the Elite coming in. Uh, and then Adam Cole versus fucking hell. Like, put Adam Cole in there with BT Gun. Put Adam Cole in there with Kez Evans. Uh, man, there's so much you could do from that. If I could have anyone from WWE. Oh, I'd love to see Shinsuke Nakamura in a, in a WWE ring. I think that would be... I think that would be, sorry in an ICW ring. I think that would be incredible, or uh, uh, or um, Kevin Steen. I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Kevin Steen taking on. Who would I have Kevin against? God, there's so many. Kevin Steen versus Jack Jester would be an interesting match. Um, so those are probably be my top picks right now. Actually, no. Yeah, I'm gonna say that. I've, I've, I, God, I could I could do this night and day, man. This is like a podcast on its own. Do you know? I'd bring in just half the roster, uh, half the the rosters of AEW and WWE, and even TNA. The TNA have got some amazing stuff. And no, I'd love to see the uh, um, well, they're not called the Iconics anymore. In, the uh, inspiration. inspiration. Yeah. versus the She Wolves. Big fan. Big fan of this. Like I, I fucking. If you want to talk about WWE shitting and stuff, breaking those guys up and then letting them go. What a fucking load of crap. Like, honest to God, I thought they are amazing. Peyton and Billy or you know, as they are no longer. I thought, man, that was money. See, if you ever want to know how good they were, watch their vines and how good they were backstage. Just fucking squawky Australian birds. Man, just fucking brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, I mean, wrestling isn't so much, like, like same with the Iconics. I mean, in the ring, 
probably not the best. But they had the personality, they had a story, they could uh, interact with people, they could, do, they could do everything that you want for a crowd. Hey, hey man, the Freebirds weren't the best wrestlers in the world, but by fuck, they got heat and you get, and their matches were always exciting and entertaining. Do you know what I mean? That is, um, some, sometimes you don't need to do a shooting star press to pop the crowd. Sometimes some people can do it with a fucking punch. So, you know, I think that's but what we need to do. So I believe Randy Orton's the best wrestler in the world right now because he can do literally nothing and make the best match possible. <laughs> well, I, I I agree with you, and I think time is going to be very kind to Randy Orton. Do you know what I mean? Like people are going to be Randy Orton's right. I know he's persona non gratis. Randy Orton's right flair has no one got that. Like he has been at the top of his game for fifteen fucking years and has never stumbled. If he won the world title tomorrow, if Randy Orton beat Roman Reigns, nobody would bat an eye. Nobody would bat an eye. So, uh, um, and he's funny, man. One of the things, if you actually get a chance, like, see, if you see Randy Orton outside of WWE, and I know that he probably, there was a time where he had like a rep as being a prick, but whether that's true or not, I mean, the thing is, he had a rep as being a prick. You know, he was a bad guy at the time, so it was almost as if they were just trying to get heat. But uh, a little one for the anyone watching video there. Um, but uh, um, uh, yeah, I, I think Randy Orton's incredible. He'd be imagine Randy Orton walking horns with some of our big names. That would be wow, fucking Randy Orton versus Grado would have been good. I'd love to see Grado back in an ICW ring. I would love to see Grado chasing Kez Evans for the world title. I think that would be that would that would be Dusty and Rick right there. That'd be good. That'd be good. When you mentioned uh, um, Owens, my first thought was Grado. I thought Kevin Owens, Grado. Oh, well, I, just... I quite like asshole Ke uh, Kevin Owens, so I, I I don't know, man. I'd like him to, I'd like him to get the crowd one to murder him. I don't. I let, I, I I know Graham or Grado personally for a long time. Um, he's a very very talented guy, and I think he can make any facet of he works. I would like to see him back in a ring for a run sooner rather than later. Definitely. I don't know he's just become a dad and congratulations. Um, so I've got a couple of questions from, from um, Kelly, my wife, of course, for those that don't know. Um, so first one was, who'd win a fight, John Cena or Drax? Mainly because you can't see either. <laughs> Drax has got knives. Drax has got knives. What are we talking about? If he was, um, oh, I forgot his character. What's his character's name from Suicide Squad? Um, Peacemaker. If he was Peacemaker, then it'd be Peacemaker because he would just blow his head off or something um, or rip off his dick and beat him with that. Like, if it was Peacemaker, but if it was John Singer versus Drax, then it's got to be Drax because Drax has got nothing to lose and is bona fide mental. Another one is, other than the tea cake, what's your most random tattoo and the story behind it? Random tattoo? Mm. Uh, oh, I don't know exactly what that is. What if I, can, I, well, can I show you? It's going to be a hard one to show. Like, you probably can't see it particularly well. Oh, it's going to be so hard because it's around the wrong... Nah, you can't see it. It's around the wrong side of my leg. Sorry. Um, but um, I have... Ooh, get back there. Um, I have a Ghostbuster. I have a Ghostbuster tattooed on my leg with Slimer... Uh, Peter Vinkman from the real Ghostbusters uh, eating um, with, with uh, Slimer and Slimer's eating an iron brew too. Aha. Nice. And uh, so that's uh, that's probably probably the most random, and the reason for that is um, I did 
like the first fringe I did, I did a show called Show Me Your Tattoo, which was all about tattoos. And every day I let the audience design a new tattoo for me. And I said at the end of the run, I'd pick the best one. And the one that they chose was Peter Vinkman, Slimer, you're an Amber Chew. And that's the one I've got my leg. So that, that's the most random one. Although people very rarely see it. I've got a monkey. Like, remember the game Monkey Island? Yeah. Yeah. Got Monkey Island tattooed on my thigh. Like the entire 8 bit trilogy tattooed on my thigh. And uh, the one that people uh, have only clogged is I've got the Black Wolf from uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox tattooed on the back of my, my wrist, which I'm like, boys. So that's it. Uh, What's that? No, I'm, I'm, I've, yeah, I've been adding tattoos when, when I can during this pandemic. Oh, Mankind, uh, Mask, oh, wow. Watchmen, uh, inspired one, and uh, my Iron Brew. I like skull. that. Yeah. That's very cool. So That's I've got a cool. million one ideas, but of course, they're not a cheap, it's not a cheap hobby to have. It's not a tattoos. cheap hobby to have. And, and believe it or not, this week I was actually meaning to have spent, um, <laughs> I was actually meaning to have spent. Uh, getting tattoos and stuff like that. This was actually my week off, so it's not worked out that um, going that way. But I'll catch up with the tattoos at some point. All right, we, we, we're just speaking about wrestling instead. That's that's. Uh, I love a, it. More, more time. Um, so we've got two questions that we ask everyone that are just stupid, but um, I think you might like them. Uh, what's your favorite dinosaur? Hmm. It's a very serious wrestling podcast with you here. Very serious wrestling podcast. Favorite dinosaur? Um, so I'd have to say the one that I would like to be. And I'd like to be the one that spits, spits that glue shit in the face of Dennis that I put down uh, Jurassic Park. You know the one when he gets in his car and it goes, <laughs> spits the face and then eats him. That guy. I don't know what the name of that dinosaur is, but I want to be that guy. No one fucks with that guy. Not even a T-Rex. That guy. And uh, what would win a fight? Two sheep or one cow? Two sheep, I think. Cows are cows are dumb. I think I think the sheep, I think the sheep conduct a, can have a plan, and you never know what a sheep's got buried in its will. So uh, fucking don't take the risk, man. Don't take the risk. Don't take the risk. Sheep would fuck my... you up, Daisy. Fuck you up. Imagine a sheep just like, unsheathing a, a knife from under its wool. Fucking hell, that sheep's got a taser, bzzz, and then just to teach you a lesson, it shags you when you're asleep. Nobody wants that. That's the that's the nightmare every Scottish person has, getting a revenge humping off a sheep. Uh, I love You're going to clip any bit of this out? <laughs> it's an advertising. That that right there is the bit to use. <laughs> revenge humping off a sheep. You're welcome. <laughs> um, so we'll we'll couple more things before we wrap up because because uh, it is a Saturday night and uh, we're I, I am very aware I'm taking a lot of your time up. No, um, but I appreciate that because my kids did try to flood the fucking house and delayed this. So again, I would like to apologize. And I would like to apologize about Thursday. It was a long day. Absolutely fine. Um, so you've done tours with the likes of uh, Piper. I, I, well, it was another time I saw you. You were, com- you were comparing for Roddy Piper. Yeah. Do you know, interesting fact, I had, uh, I had a chest infection, like a really, really bad chest infection. So I remember uh, we drove to Inverness and I went, I'm going to go for a sleep in the other room. And do you know I was asleep for nearly four hours and didn't even, like, a blink. I was out. They just left me to it. That was my first interactions with Roddy Piper, bless him. Um, it was just as this disease little thing. But, yeah, that was fun, man. That was a fun tour. Oh, Roddy. He's up there. His wee signed picture he did for me. We signed picture. We personal messages on it. Bless him. Uh, of course, and Mick Foley. Uh, but the, the one that... that... William Regal sends you um, tweets occasionally about your parents being the crankies. 
Um, as as a when when you when you started out, have you even asked me my parents are the crankies? <laughs> no, no, well, I mean, if you want to answer that or not, it's, it's up to you. But, okay, brother, I'm not going to tell you nothing. I'm not going to tell you nothing. <laughs> Did you think when you started this comedy caper that you would be sitting in 2021, occasionally seeing a tweet notification <laughs> from William Regal uh, with a picture of the crankies going, "Is this your parents?" Can I can I just say right? It's not just every now and then. It's quite a lot. <laughs> to, to the point that I remember being in New Orleans and meeting Robbie Brookside, who's one of the senior coaches at NXT, come out to me and go, fucking hell, you didn't tell me your parents were the crankies. So this just isn't a tweet. This just isn't a tweet. All right? He's let out a family seat. Moving on. <laughs> but... Uh, um, I, no, I did not, but uh, it pops me every single time. Every single time. And we kept, we kept, we've kept it going for quite a while. If, if anyone actually goes through some of the tweets, you'll see that there's lots of talks about um, other members of the family. There's an entire life, there's an entire storyline to uh, um, family as uh, time as a member of the Cranky's family. So, yeah, Uncle Uncle Bill, as I like to call him. Uncle Bill. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. It's fun. I really, I really, really enjoy it. I usually get a birthday message, so I'll probably get one next week when it's my birthday. Because he be like, I took the pit. Like, I turned up to do a show with him, and I had a, I had a cut out of Jimmy Cranky's face, and I put it on. And motherfucker, he will tweet, <laughs> he will tweet this picture. All I don't know what I was thinking. Don't know what I was thinking to be honest. But it's a picture of him going, and me with a cranky face on. So it's probably about the only picture of me and William Regal in the same space, and I've got a fucking Jimmy Cranky mask on because I'm an idiot. I, I just like there's there's uh, he's he's in Orlando or wherever he is. He's just going, got a good idea, and then photoshopping your face on things. I just I just that tickles me just the thought of it. <laughs> he's, he's taking the time to do it. <laughs> hey, look, it's uh, I'm 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 happy for the attention. I'm happy for the attention. Um, I je- but, but for the record, he he loves old school comedy, and whenever we've actually hung out, it tends to be all we talk about. To be honest, like I. It's a generation of comedy, which we love chatting about. He's all, I mean, he got to go to the pier and see some of the greats. Do you know what I mean? So, and uh, a lovely man full of incredible uh, advice. And uh, I've always found him to be a, a really, a really unbelievably cool cat. And my parents really love him. My parents really love him. Um, so I know we've got so much more I could speak about. We could be here for another hour or so. So I think maybe at some point in season four of the podcast, I'm going to have to get you back for a part two. <laughs> but in the I'll meantime, do my fear and loathing card. I'll do my fear and loathing card. Do that then. Right. Um, so before we wrap up then, where can people find you on social media? Um, you can find me in loads of different places. Uh, I am on TikTok, but I'm not particularly proficient on TikTok. I should pay more attention to it, but I don't. I've got v- some videos that have gone between 300,000 views and three. So I'm not as a uh, uh, person, but you can find me on TikTok, Billy Kirkwood uh, underscore comedy. Uh, don't tend to do any wrestling stuff in there. So if you're not into wrestling, that'll be it. Uh, I did for a while stop talking about wrestling on my Twitter, but I've kind of restarted again. So you can find me on Twitter, Billy Kirkwood. Um, uh, Billy Kirkwood Comedian, because there's a couple of Billy Kirkwoods on there, including one, bless him, who, uh, whose profile is Billy Kirkwood, neither a footballer nor a comedian. Bless him. Bless him. So I don't think the shit this guy's taken over the years. So you can find me there. Uh, uh, Billy Kirkwood Comedy com um i'm on facebook as well billy kirkwood comedian uh, or if you want to and you're looking for some alternative to listen to you can check out my breakfast show which is billy kirkwood breakfast and i'm on west fm you can listen to us online on digital on the app five days a week six o'clock till ten
Perfect. Perfect way to end it. With a shameless plug for the motherfuckers that are paying my mortgage. <laughs> <laughs>